Colossians chapter 4. Don't bring a Bible with them. Loads of people. Here, <laughs> yeah, Shannon's got her Bible, there. Yeah. She goes against them just straight away, she will. It's important to bring a Bible, and I'll tell you the reason why. Listen, it's all right to read them on your phones. I read the Bible on my phone sometimes, uh, or on the iPad. Yeah, it tells us iPad. It's important to bring your Bible with you because the truth is, I could be telling you anything, can I? You can read for yourself and read along. Thank God for your trust, but we've got to read along for ourselves. And I tell you, if you get in an habit of bringing your Bible and reading your Bible, that continues from home into here, not from here into home. You know what I mean? We do this at home. Read our word and continue in things. Always bring your Bible with you. Don't go nowhere without your sword. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 it says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, meanwhile praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. For which I am also in chains. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. Let's pray. Pray for me tonight. Let's just spend a couple of minutes in prayer. Let's ask the Lord. Thank you my Lord. Let your name be glorified and praised, my Lord, lifted my heart. In Jesus' wonderful name, Lord, I pray, my God, just have your way. Lord, I pray, my Lord, your children, Lord, my brothers and sisters, that's the church, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, minister to us and stir us up, Lord, let the learning begin to us. Now, Paul is coming to the end of this letter. This is the last chapter. And um, he's coming to the end of this letter to the Colossian church. And he teaches and encourages them on the things that they should be doing and how they should be conducting themselves in the world. Basically, he's coming to this letter. He's teaching them, look, this is what I want you to do. And he talks about things they do privately and then how they conduct themselves in the world, the way they deal with people publicly. Um, and this is basically either till Paul can get to him, till he can come, or till the Lord returns. This is an encouragement. This is like, look, before I go, I just want to tell you this. After all the things that I've told you, do these things, but listen, make sure you do this as well. Just make sure you do this. And he says, look, continue earnestly in prayer. Continue earnestly in prayer means to pray and not give up. Now, it means uh, don't quit. To pray and not to give up. To pray earnestly. To, to not give up in our prayers, in our prayer life. And, and I've got to be honest, listen, I, I, I wouldn't say I've got a great prayer life. I have got a prayer life. I love the Lord and I spend time with God every night. And I pray for myself, for this church, for my wife, for my children for what God wants to have done in my life. But that should be, that shouldn't just be for the preachers. That shouldn't shock anyone. That should be for everyone. We all should pray. 
In fact, the Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing. It don't mean that we don't go to work and we don't go about our daily business and we don't look after our families and we don't do nothing. We just sit and pray all the time. Like we're monks or priests. But when it says pray without ceasing, it means that we have a relationship with the Lord and that is continuous. That we're continuously coming to the Lord with things. To pray earnestly. And now look, I want to encourage us just by that verse there. Look, and there's probably people in here who struggle to pray. There's probably times you might go a, a, a day or two or three or four days or a week or a couple of weeks without praying. But I want to encourage you to this. Christians, listen, this is an encouragement. But I tell you, this is a warning as well. Christians who don't pray, don't spend time with the Lord in prayer, personal prayer of God, don't stay Christians very long. Don't stay Christians very long. I know that we're going to have times when the enemy attacks and the enemy comes in and there seems to be times in life where there's more pressure than others. But we need to learn how to pray. Remember this, look, Jesus died, and I've mentioned this before, Jesus died that he might have a relationship with us. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his precious blood and rose again from death to life, was that just to save us from hell? It wasn't just to save us from hell. It was that we might know him. That what Adam lost in the garden through sin, lost that relationship, Jesus put back. When we accept the Lord and we cross that line and we get saved, now the sin is washed away. Now I'm the righteousness of God. Now I can have a relationship with the Lord because my sin don't separate me anymore. I'm now a child of God. And what did Jesus say? I know the voice of my sheep and they know mine. But as Christians, we can't be a people who, who pray every now and then. My problem is, I always pray most in a crisis. When I'm going through a crisis, when something's going on, or I'm having things hard in my life, or there's stuff going on, I'm coming to the Lord, I'm praying. But we should have a relationship with God all the time. And I tell you what we tend to do. We tend to, when things get a little bit down, when things get a little bit alright, we tend to say, like, let down the hand now, leave off. I can walk on my own. I'm alright, I feel good in myself. That's how, that's how I can be as a Christian. It says, continue earnestly in prayer means not to give up, don't quit. And this is the way the early church in Acts prayed. The Bible teaches us, as I said before, to pray without ceasing. The man and woman who learn to be steadfast in prayer, to pray and not give up in all situations, is the man and woman who will make it through to the end. Christ will sustain. Listen, God can't move in our life if we're not coming to him and talking to him. So we think, right, we're going to think about what prayer is, just quickly, and I want to mention this at the end. I want you to think upon this. We have an idea of prayer. All Christians have an idea of prayer. Is that... I, I, I view my life a certain way and there's certain things I want done. So I'm going to say, through prayer, I'll say, look Lord, come down and get involved in this. Because I'd like you to get involved in this one. Sort this out, sort that out, do this, do that. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not our way of getting God to do our will. To do the things that we would like to be see done. And then things might even be godly things. Lord, save them. Uh, plant a church over there, uh, bless that missionary, heal that person so your name to be glorified. But the Bible says we know we will receive 
all things that we have asked for when we pray according to his will. Prayer is not a way of us getting our will done on earth. Prayer is a way of God getting us involved in his work. In fact, the Bible teaches us, be mindful of this, that the Holy Spirit teaches us what we should pray for. So what does that mean? I come to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? Come and feel me, Lord. Use me. I just want to spend some time with you, Lord. Speak to me. All right, okay. I want to speak to you. Pray for that thing. Have you ever been praying for something and someone just come into your mind, saying, come into your heart, and you're praying for something and you feel really burdened about a certain situation or a place or a person or a circumstance, and you start to pray for that person? Can you pray for them? Can we lift them up? Because I really feel like they need prayer. God's making you aware of things. The Bible says the Holy Spirit teaches us what we should pray for. So God is even, if we're allowing him to, putting the things in our heart that we should ask him for. It's about God's will being done. It's about God's will being done. Let your will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. That is part of how the Lord taught us to pray. It's the Lord's prayer. It's part of how the Lord taught us to pray. To pray earnestly, to really be devoted to it. To pray without ceasing. It says, be vigilant in it. That word vigilant means to, um, to be watchful, to pay attention, to be, cautious, to be cautious. All throughout the Bible, the Bible teaches us, watch and pray. In the New Testament, Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation. Watch and pray. So it's also, pray, put yourself before the Lord, but there's a warning there. Be vigilant. Be aware of the enemy attacks. Be aware of what's going on around you. In the book of Nehemiah, and I've had the privilege to go to Jerusalem, and there's, you can see, if you read the story, when, uh, when the uh, Israelites were uh, freed from uh, captivity in Babylon, that Nehemiah returned to the city and he started to build the walls up again of the city, so the city could be protected. He built the gates up and built the walls up, the prophet Nehemiah. And when they were rebuilding the city and the gates, uh, they were expecting uh, the enemies of Israel to attack and stop them from building, to try and hinder them. So they said, oh, we've got to build these walls, but every time we start to build walls, the enemy of Israel see us do it, and they come and attack us, and we can't build the walls. So what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 4.9, he said, Nevertheless, we made our prayers unto our God, and we set our watch against the enemy day and night. He was vigilant in our prayers. And what that means is to be aware of what's going on around you. Be aware of situations that sometimes you might need to be praying into. Whether it be in your own life, your children's lives, or the people around you, your brothers and sisters in the Lord, your family. To be watchful and be vigilant, knowing that when we start to put ourselves to prayer, that the enemy can come in. Nehemiah was vigilant and he prayed to God and he kept one eye on the enemy. And it's not to say that our focus should be, what's the enemy doing? I wonder what he's going to do, because we can get caught up with that. We can be so fearful, and we can say to ourselves, I'm not going to bother stepping out, because every time I step out, the enemy attacks. So I'm not going to bother stepping out. Have you ever thought about yourself? Every time I try and go on for the Lord, bad things happen. You ever thought that? Every time I try and go for the Lord, so what do we do? So the person go, forget it, I won't bother, I'll just stay where I'm at. And the enemy will attack, but we should be watchful for that. We should be watchful for the enemy attack. And what that means to be vigilant in our prayer is just we're praying, Lord, save my family, 
Minister to my children. Save me husband and my wife. That might be your prayer. Save me loved ones. Lord, use me. Speak to me. But Lord, I want to be vigilant as well. I want to be watchful and say, look, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't get involved in that over there because that might draw me away from you, Lord. Maybe I shouldn't let my children go down that path because that might lead them into a bad way. I'm going to be prayerful, but I'm going to be watchful also. And I'll tell you how we do that. Again in Nehemiah chapter 4, as they start to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem, it says that the men set themselves, the builders set themselves to build the wall, and they had a sword in one hand and a trail in the other. They had their sword with them, their weapons, and it says the men who brung the bricks to them, while they brung the bricks, they left the bricks there, and the stones, they guarded them with spears. So not only was the men who was building was watchful and prayerful and prepared for the attack, but the people who was working with them was prepared also. They were ready to fight. And that's how we need to be as Christians. We should be vigilant in our prayers and watchful and prepared as we build the Lord's work. Because let me tell you something. This month, this week, or the last 12 months, something's coming into your life and try to pull the rug right out from underneath your feet. And let me tell you something. We can say that and say, oh, that's just life. It's just this, it's just feeling, it's just stress, it's just problems. But the enemy's more crafty than that. And he has more intentions behind his attack than that. We need to be a people who want to say, Lord, not only am I going to be prayerful, am I going to pray to you because I know and believe that you're the one who can do all things, but I'm going to be watchful. And I'm going to say, is the enemy coming in? Is there, is there an angle in? Is the enemy trying to get in with this? Is he trying to draw me away? It says, continue earnestly in prayer. So he's teaching them how they should pray. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. I never forget to ask God for all the things I need and would like to see him do in my life and the people around me in this life in this church. I never fail to ask for them things. But you know what I do fail to do? I do all the time. When the Lord does them, I forget to say thank you. I forget to say thank you, Lord. So pray, be honest in prayer. Set yourself to it. Don't give up. Keep on praying, up or down, thick or thin. Whether you get it or you don't, we pray in the Lord's will. Be vigilant. Know that the enemy, be aware of what's going on around you in your circumstance. Be vigilant. Pray with a sword in one hand and a trail in the other as we're building. And pray with thanksgiving. Regardless of where we are in our life, or what we're going through on the mountain or in the valley, make sure our prayers are full of thanksgiving to Lord. Let me tell you something. We have got a lot to be thankful for. I can't get over that scripture, and I preached it ages ago, and I'm going to try and repeat it if I remember. It says, And God made him, meaning Jesus, who knew, who knew no sin, to be sin for me, us, that I might become the righteousness of God. So that means Jesus was sinless. He was in glory in heaven, being worshipped by angels. He made himself a man, was hung upon a cross, took all my sin and the sin of the whole world, past, present and future, upon himself. The innocent made him, uh, put the guilt of the world upon himself. That me, the guilty, would not only be proclaimed innocent, because my debt's been paid, 
But when God sees me, he says that I might become the righteousness of God in him. So in Christ, now when God looks at me, he sees me righteous. He sees the righteousness of his son. Come on. Thank you, Lord. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the things you've done, and for the things you're doing, and for the things you're going to do. Hallelujah. Be thankful. It says, Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. So he's saying, look, pray also. So while you're praying earnestly, Paul's saying, while you're praying vigilantly, and while you're praying with thanksgiving, also pray for a door to be opened to us. Pray for us, for a door to be opened, for the word, and that word for the mystery of Christ means the hidden truth of the gospel to be preached. Paul is teaching the church to pray with purpose in their mind. And this is a little point here I want to pick up on. Sometimes as Christians we have blanket prayers. We say, Lord, bless all the church at Chart Sun. So we've covered everybody there. Right? Bless all of Dartford, Lord, all around the M25, and if you feel like it, we'll pray for the Northerners. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> sorry, Aiden, sorry, right? No, but what I'm trying to say is we pray, okay, we've got to pray for the mission, Lord. In fact, pray for every Christian in the world, Lord, especially them who are suffering. Then all them people who suffer over there, right? And all them, and we blame it, prayers. Let me tell you I'm not saying you can't do that. But Paul was saying, listen, pray for us. Be specific in your prayer. When you pray for me, he's telling the church, pray for me and the people I'm working with. And Paul's writing this letter from prison. He's in prison. He's locked up. And he's saying, pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for the people who's with me. He's saying, be specific. When you pray, pray with purpose in your mind. Be specific in their prayers rather than just a blanket prayer that covers everything. And what I mean that? Mention by name. Paul's saying, pray for us. And pray specifically for a door to be opened. For the word to be preached. That we can tell people the gospel. He's saying pray for the gospel to go out. Pray specifically. And I think, look, as Christians, look, I know that when you, if you pray for this church, you pray for me and my wife and children. You pray for Johnny and Mary and their children, Charles and Cindy. Listen, the elders of this church need your prayers. We need your prayers. Our families, we need, they need your prayers. We need for God to strengthen, for God to minister in the situation, to give us wisdom, to give us grace, to give us understanding. You other brothers and sisters in here need prayers. If you know about a situation, pray for that person. And I'll tell you what I want to encourage you with this. Paul was saying to the church here at Colosh, look, take this and this us and this serpent, this thing about opening the door and preaching the gospel. Put it upon your arm. Take it home with you. Remember it in your prayers. While you're praying for all them other things, don't forget to pray for this specifically. And I encourage you, for, listen, there's people in here, and you know about situations they're going through, or maybe they're not. But pray for them. Take someone home in this meeting. If everyone, we all took someone home on our arm and prayed for them this week. I think there'd be a, a change in their life. 
in their hearts, in their minds, in their situations. When you leave this church, we're a part of a body. And one of the ways that we care for one another is not just by encouraging, not just by making a phone call, ringing up, but we are prayer warriors for one another. We pray for one another, for the family of God. We set ourselves before the Lord and say, Look, Lord, I know that sister, I know so and so, I know him or her, they're going through a situation, or I pray for their child, I pray for this, I pray, Lord, I pray for them, minister to their situation, mention it by name. Lift it up before the Lord. <coughs> Let us pray for one another. He says, For which, for the for the mystery of Christ, of which I am also in chains. Uh, as I said before, Paul's in prison and he's writing this letter to the church. Notice he doesn't ask them, pray, church, because this would be my prayer. Church, pray, because I'm nailed. Pray that God opens the doors here and I can get out, because this place is driving me up the wall. I can't seek it no longer. I'm not made for this sort of place. That'd be my prayer. But Paul ain't saying that. Paul's saying, he's in prison. He's in prison. He's locked up. He don't know how things are going to go. He's locked up for preaching the gospel. And he's saying, pray that God would open a door for ministry. That he could continue his ministry where he's at. So Paul never took notice of his circumstance of what he was going through. Wherever he was, he just see it as a chance to minister to people. And what I mean by that is that Paul's going to go and preach to the guards. Paul's going to preach to the other prisoners. Paul's going to speak to the officials and the people that are bringing him to court. Listen, you heard what we shared last week. I've been reading through the book of Colossians. I haven't picked this out. This is literally where I've been reading through. I've just come to this week. But the opportunity me and the boys we had last week, we had a blessed time. We went into a prison. They let us onto a wing where people who had bad addictions to drugs, and these fellas was in a bad state. They were rough. They was in a bad way. These fellas have got serious addictions, and they're in a bad way. And they opened the doors up, and they asked them out, and we had a meeting on a wing. To me, I got blown, I was just blown away by it, so I thought, Lord, we're getting an opportunity to take the gospel to places that we would never have the opportunity even when would they ever hear this. That's a blessing. And let me tell you something, you know how that door's been opened to us? Through prayer. We got an opportunity, a brother, a brother who was fellowshipping here, got locked up for Satan down a long time ago, and he ended up in prison, and I said, when you go in there, keep in your prayer, have a word with the mush to chat me, and I asked him, if we're coming, me and a few of the boys, we'll crash the gate at 98, we'll have a meeting in the prison if you let us. All right? Bang, we're in. Got into one, got into two. Haven't you been in there now? Four or five? Thank the Lord, the door's opening. Thank the gospel. The fellas are getting saved. And they're thirsty for the things of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, pray that God opens a door in these prisons. Pray that God opens a door for the preaching of the word into your families who don't know Jesus Christ and their Lord Saviour. Pray that God opens the door that we can have an outreach somewhere in Kent. Let's go and preach the gospel and tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. Pray that God opens the door that we can have opportunities to go and pray with people in hospital before they draw their last breath and lead them to the Lord. Hallelujah. Pray that God opens the door for us to do all things because if God don't open the door, we ain't going to be able to open it. Lord, it's by your grace 
And by your direction and your will, Lord. Paul ain't saying, listen, pray the Lord gets me out of here. He's saying, pray that God opens the door that I can continue with my ministry. And that's, listen, I've, and I, look, I'm never going to be like Paul. I hope there's some here that will be one day. I'm never going to be like Paul, I don't think. But Lord, regardless of the situation, let me keep pressing on. Let me keep serving you. Let me use the opportunity, what I mean, the situation is an opportunity to tell people about you. Let me view my circumstance and where I'm at. Let me view it as a mission field and not a burden. This is a mission field. In Dartford Church, over the top of the door, they've got a thing. I really, really like it. They've got like a, a big sticker thing over the wall, like a sign. And it's, as you're leaving the church to go outside, it says, you are now entering the mission field. And that's true, isn't it? We have a mission field. Brothers and sisters, I thank God for the people who come and told us about the Lord. And I thank God for them people who are still about today, still telling others about the Lord. I thank God for that. But chances are, the only people who's going to tell your family about Jesus is you. Pray for the Lord to open the door. Lord, because if you open the door, no one's going to be able to shake, Lord. If you open the door, Lord, no one's going to be able to shake. It's got to be of you. And if you open it, I'll walk through it. Give me the strength to walk through it. He says in verse 4, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. So not only is Paul teaching about what they should be doing in their private life, it is in their prayer life, the private time of the Lord. This is what I want you to do. When you pray earnestly, be vigilant, with thanksgiving, pray for God to open the door, all these different things, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on to say, look, and not only that, but this is how you should conduct yourself. Conduct yourself in a certain way. And it's when we're around unsafe people. This is where the Christian, what he's talking about, it means to, around those who are not of the family of God. So when we're around unsafe people, we should conduct ourselves in a certain way. In public, around unsafe people. And it says, conduct yourself with wisdom. That I make it, make it manifest as all to speak. So what he's saying is, Lord, let me be able to say the things that you've laid upon Mark to say that I'm responsible for, the gospel. But walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. So not only am I to be wise in the way that I speak, but also in the way that I act. In front of the lost. And this could be a big problem. And I'll tell you the reason why. This is the situation with me. When I get round my unsaved family. Or I love with all my heart. And this is not all the time. But when I'm round my unsaved family. Or I love with all my heart. And they love me. And they're kind. And I'm trying to be kind to them. And I love my family. But that's when sometimes I'm not the greatest testimony. Why? Because I've dropped my guard. So I get into the same old crack. And the same old chat. And the same old things. And make no mistake, I ain't no different than anyone else. I spend too much time with unsaved people. I start talking that way and being that way and doing them things. And speaking in that way. Do you not know that we need to conduct ourselves in a certain way? And I'll tell you why you know that to be true. 
Because when you're a bad testimony and you tell your family about the Lord, they will say this to you, and you know this to be true. Oh, the other day you was doing that. What are you telling me about Jesus for? The other day you was doing that. I remember once, oh Lord, God forgive me. Right? I remember once I was out coursing with the boys and I thought I've got them all trapped in the motor and we've got a two hour drive. You know what I mean? They're going to have it. The only time they stop is the perpetually. So I'm witnessing every week, I'm witnessing, I'm witnessing, but I'm living like a bandit, really. I'm driving across the man's fields and doing this and doing that, trying to be as sensible as I can, but still cutting up rough. And one of the boys looked at me, look, I'm not being funny, but you just drove across the man's field, took his gate off and driven across the man's field. Do you know what I mean? And I went, uh, so, and I thought, I've stupid myself here, really, not I? What power did the gospel have all the time I was telling about Jesus and living like a devil? Walk with wisdom, it says. Lord, let me consider my steps. Let me be wise and consider my steps. And, know the, and it says redeeming the time. It means buying up time for the opportunity. It means making the best of the opportunity. Making the best of your time. The Lord, not that I wouldn't look at me and go, oh, he's some Christian is. But they might look at me and see you. And see all the things that you have done. I remember, I remember, wasn't, I wasn't saved, my mum and my sisters were Christians, and I was having a good time. I was having good friends, I was having a good time, I was getting a bit of a living, and I was having a good old time, and I wasn't, I wasn't on drugs, I wasn't an alcoholic, or nothing like that, I was just having a good old time, all my life was good, I had a good family around me, but I still knew they had something I didn't. As good as everything was, they, I still knew they had something I didn't have. They had a peace and a love and the light the Lord just shone from them. They couldn't want well, I can, can't wait to get to church. They can't wait to go and talk about the Lord. What's going on here? We have to be a people. Listen, I can't be one way in church and a different person outside. I have to walk in wisdom. I have a responsibility to walk in wisdom towards unsaved people. Not only to be wise in the way that I speak, but also in the wise in the way that I, I act. A testimony is a powerful thing. It takes a long time to build and a short time to destroy. It. And we have to be wise. And what I mean by that, brothers and sisters, right? And I, and I, I know brothers who have done this. And they've been in groups of men, and there's all the chat, and then someone will start coming out saying, and I just see a brother go, sorry boys, not my sort of conversation. He just walked off. Everyone looked at him like he had an eye in the middle of his forehead. They looked at him like he was a dinlo. I'll tell you what, he doesn't get his testimony. He never stood there and listened to the rubbish. Thank you, not for me, really. Bosh. Oh, that's it, good enough. We have to be careful about the things we talk about and the things we say and the things we glorify. Be wise in the way that we talk about unsaved people. I remember when we did this, remember when we done that, and we talk about our old lives like it was the best thing that we ever had. That somehow salvation was a step down. Let me tell you something. Jesus has given me my best life, hallelujah. Jesus has given me my best life. Yes, sin is pleasurable, but it don't compare to knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And we can't, yeah, remember we did that? Yeah, no, it was a lot of rubbish. Thank God for Jesus, there. Yeah, how about that one? <laughs> do you know what I mean? 
No rubbish that was. Yeah, thank God for Jesus. I meet people now and they're still talking about things we was doing 25 years ago. Oh, please, come on, get a life. Accept Jesus, you're going to save them. Get on with it. You know what I mean? 25 years they're still talking about. We'd be wise in the way that we, we conduct ourselves for an unsaved people. Why? Because I might be the closest thing they ever get to seeing Jesus Christ. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am a light of the world and a salt of the earth. And these people need Jesus, Lord. They need you. So I'm going to be wise, Lord, for your glory, that they might see something in me and want it for themselves. Not anything that I've got, but what you've put in me, Lord. That they might see that. When we're talking about ripping and rooting and punching and pulling and drinking and fighting and smoking and all the same thing that everyone else is. What, what, what Christ is there in that? And all the men have stood about going, oh, I never guess what he had a touch the other day. And think, oh, that's pushy. Where did he have that? No. Tied some poor old woman up and took a load of money off him. It's not good, is it? And we're glorifying them things. Oh, look at him. He's got a few quid. They're drug dealers. They're not people of the Lord and we shouldn't glorify such things. It's because of them reasons. It's because of the rubbish and because of the sin. Me and you need Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. But thank God we've been set free. And walk in wisdom in the way that I act or speak in front of unsaved people. Because I think, and listen, I have made loads of mistakes. I have definitely 100% been a spiritual speed bump and hindered people from coming to the Lord. I know I have. But I don't have to continue down them roads. I can say, Lord, that was a mistake. I made a mistake there. I'm not going to say that again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to get involved in that again, Lord. Because I'm walking in wisdom towards the people who are outside the family of God. Why? Because I want them to be saved, Lord. And I don't want them to say that I'm good. But I want them to say, look at these people. There was a famous uh, um, a Caesar, one of the kings of Rome. And one of the famous things that he said was, he said, didn't them Christians die well? They read a book about it. And one of his quotes was, don't the Christians die well? What he meant was, when he used to throw the Christians to the lions, and they was being hit by the lions and killed in the, in the Colosseum for people's uh, entertainment. Christians would all gather around and guard the women and the children and they'd sing hymns to the Lord and glorify the Lord. Well, please God, one day I will die well, but more so than that now, until that time comes, let me live well. Let people look at me and go, I'll tell you what, he's not, he's not, he's not perfect, but I'll tell you what, he do, he do practice what he preach. They practice what they preach. What a shame it is. What a shame it is when Christians are around unsaved people and you can look at them and you can't tell who's a Christian or not. Let me tell you something. This is saying I've always heard preached and I believe I'm going to say it now. Don't say you're a Christian and you're out getting drunk with unsaved people. Don't say you're a Christian and you have smoking dope with people. You're out ripping and tearing and having people over. Don't say you're a Christian and you're lying through your teeth. The Bible says, what, what fellowship does darkness have with light? The Lord's telling us to be wise in the way that we walk towards unsaved people, towards the people who don't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Let them get on with whatever business they want to get on with. Because it's because of that, that's why they need Jesus. And that's why I knew Jesus. And now I've crossed over that line. The Bible says that all them name the name of Christ depart from iniquity, flee from sin. 
Lord, that was me and I've made mistakes, but that's not me anymore. So I'm going to follow you and shine a light for you. And he says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Proverbs 15 says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And what that means is when you repay evil for evil, when someone has a go at you and you just have a go at back, well, yeah, look at the head on you as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, all that sort of chat. Do you know what I mean? It just stirs up more anger. But the Bible says a kind word turns away wrath. It says in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. That we have the words of eternal life, the Bible teaches us, and we have the power to be his and there's power in the gospel. The gospel saves the truth of God's word, it leads people to Christ. We have the power of life and death upon our tongues and we can preach to people. We can tell them, listen, let me tell you something. I'm not perfect. You know, Jesus loves you and died for you. Jesus loves you and he died for you. The Bible says, let your words, let your speech always be with grace. A kind word turns away wrath. And I'll tell you what I mean by that, right? And look, look I might be wrong. But is there certain Christians that you know that really love the Lord? They really love the Lord. But they ain't got a lot of wisdom when they're talking to unsaved people. And what I mean by that is when you see them coming and you're unsaved family with you, you think, oh no, they're going to rip right into them. And just... I, wish, I wish someone else was here. And therefore, I wish they'd go with us to my family. Why do you think like that sometimes? What I mean by that is I've seen people, and I've done it myself. I've done it myself. Just ripping the people, and it's all that turn and burn. And, uh, and, and let me tell you something, that's true, isn't it? Hell's a reality. We have to tell people the bad news before we can tell them about the good news. But let your words always be with grace. You know, God loves you. And Jesus dies for you. He died for you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. That's what I tell you. Jesus loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to come into your life. Let your words be always with grace. Speak with grace. Whether it be your brothers and sisters, your own families. And listen, I really suffer in that area because I'm one of people I just charge in. No, tell them. Just tell them, just let them be told. Tell them the gospel and that's it. You know what I mean? But it says, look, season... Uh, let your words always be with grace and season with salt. That salt just brings, it, 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 it preserves things, doesn't it? It purifies things. Let it always be seasoned with salt. What that means is so our words taste good. That doesn't mean to say to people, oh, you'll be alright. Don't worry about it. You're a good person. You're all nice, isn't you? I see you give money to charity the other day. I think you're you'll be alright. That's not being gracious. That's telling them a lie. Because they're not going to be alright, are they? Season and salt being gracious is speaking to someone in such a way that they receive what you're saying. If someone comes up to you ordering a movie, you're straight on the back foot, aren't you? If someone just comes up and just says, look, it's someone on their own, just have a chat with them. That's what I like to do. 
Oh, I've been in all the boys' groups of boys before, and all having a go, and all having something to say, and I think, yeah, it's all right. And then when you get them on their own, look, stand, come over here, we'll have a chat. Oh, yeah, you're right, Joe, I do believe what you're saying. Get someone on their own, have a chat, be gracious to them, tell them about the love of the Lord. People's hearts just don't know, Lord. That you may know how you ought to answer each one. And what that means is, look, the Bible teaches us, make sure we know to give an answer for everyone asks us for the hope that we have in the Lord. If someone said to you, why are you saved? Would you know how to answer them? If someone said to you, why do I need Jesus? Would you know how to answer them? Learn them things. Learn the answers to them questions. You like it, didn't you? When you come to me, Johnny and Charles, one of the other brothers has got a question and we're going to answer it. Or someone might want to ask you a question. Why do I need Jesus as my Lord and Saviour? I'm alright, I've got plenty of money, all my family's happy. Why do I need Jesus as my Lord and Saviour? Be ready to give an answer for that. And I think, look, Paul is just... Paul is just teaching the church how they should conduct themselves in their own private life and then pray. And how they should conduct themselves outside. And I think, listen, brothers and sisters, especially in light of the work that we're trying to do as a church, as Christians in general, you're never going to win anybody if your attitude and your life is different in here than it is out there. Be prayerful. Pray for God to open the door. And be wise in the way you walk towards unsaved people. Don't be the reason. I'll finish with this. How many times you witness to someone and they always bring someone up to me? Well, so and so leads meetings and does this, does that. He's been a Christian for 37 years and all this, and 100 years he's been a Christian and he was in the pub the other night and doing this and doing that. And listen, it might be, then people might not even be saved, I don't know. But they are, they might be having an hard time or they could be the biggest messes in the world, I don't know. But they always bring someone up, right? To when you're witnessing someone, they'll always bring someone up who claims to be a Christian, supposed to be one of the top people, and has been a really bad testimony. And you know that what that taught me a long, long time ago? I don't want my name mentioned in them groups. When them people get mentioned, he's done this, she's done that, look at them, they're supposed to be a Christian. I don't want my name, Joseph Anderson's name to be mentioned. I want my name to be mentioned. Well, that fellow is a Christian. Not for my glory. Brothers and sisters, don't let your name be mentioned in circles. If you do things, and you're the ones being the bad testimony, stop it. Walk with the Lord. Get rid of that now and clean up. Get rid of all that rubbish. And give him all glory. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I do pray, my God. The Lord, you minister to us, my God. You lay down upon us, my God. And that your name will be glorified and praised and lifted in my God. And that you pour out your spirit, my God. And the Lord, I pray, Lord, that we can be honest in our prayers and watchful, my God, with thanksgiving, my God. And that we can live a life worthy, Lord. That we would be a shining light. Not that we'd be perfect, my God. Not that we build our own little kingdoms or through pride, Lord, what people say good things about us. But for your glory, Lord, we'd be wise towards the people in our, in our families who don't know you, my God. Lord, we'd be wise, Lord, towards the world and how we walk in it, my God. That we bring you glory for the way we speak and the way we act, my Lord. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord,